Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? Ladies, gentlemen, anyone in between, welcome and thank you for joining us for episode 43 of What Do You Got? We keep getting closer to that 50 mark milestone, Rob, and we really need to discuss what we're doing with it. Ooh-wee, what do you got? What do you got? (laughs) I had a couple ideas, but I don't know. I want to try to do something a little bit like, a little bit more milestone-y, but... You know, who knows what we have, what we can do. That's my stage name, Miles Tony. Miles Tony. <laughs> M-I-L-E-S-T-O-N-Y. Miles Tony. <laughs> I We're on well. love it. <laughs> we are, but that's what makes this fun. <laughs> um, today's episode pitch is brought to you by Mr. Roberto Dickersonian. Um so I will leave it to Rob to talk about this hellish nightmare of a logo on this website. Yeah, we're good. We're going to just dance around the uh, the the visual choices of weirdhistorian.com. If you guys check the article, uh, just steer away from the head head uh, the the header of the website. Uh, it's it's a terrifying image. It really is. There's a. There's a word for 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 that that's in the logo of things, and I can't remember what it is. Like, what do you mean? Oh, you mean like a word for a logo being in the title, or yeah, like it might be big that. How old were you when you discovered that the uh, smile from Amazon goes from A to Z? Uh, well, I'm 31, so 31. What about the FedEx that you can see the arrow uh, between the E and that the I, that I that I knew that okay. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I remember because I, I was watching, um, I guess not too recently, but I watched Castaway a while back, and it was so interesting to see the old FedEx logo. You know, uh, yeah, the the changes in logos from our youths is all, is always weirded me out. It's it becomes sort of a Mandela effect almost. Mm-hmm. Like I feel they like have, they're intentionally fucking with me. Legit, like they have the, There's the Mandela effect for what? Is it Jif? The people think it's Jiffy, but it's well, that's just been. because of Skippy. Yeah, yeah. And then of course the Berenstain Bears, which don't exist. It's Berenstain Bears, no matter how much you tell me otherwise. <laughs> they're the, not Jews. <laughs> they're very explicitly not Jews. <laughs> the the first time I saw or heard that Mandela effect, I immediately texted my mom and was like, "I need you to find me my Berenstain Bear collection right now." <laughs> don't let any government agents come to the house <laughs> and move things around. You know they read that text and they were like, "Quick, get over to their house." <laughs> What's up, NSA agent who listens to Nick and I? <laughs> well, we were talking in an episode recently, we were talking about uh, Mandela effects. Didn't we say we were going to pitch something? Something of that sort. I, you know what? It'll probably be episode 44 at this point because now yeah. we brought it up. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to actually do some searching on some Mandela effect stories. I know there is a Mandela effect movie. I think it was a Hulu movie. Um, I think I came across it a while back while looking for something to watch. Huh. But yeah, I'll have to I'll have to research that a little bit. Uh, Rob, why don't you talk to us a little yes. bit about Daniel Lambert? Yeah, so Daniel Lambert, you know, it's a story I've had in my head for 
years now, I, I stumbled upon his Wikipedia article. Um, gosh, probably while I was in college. Oh, okay. um, I don't know how I got there. You know how it is clicking around the internet, but I was fascinated <laughs> by this story um, for a number of reasons. Um, so Daniel Lambert, as you'll read in this article, and uh, I encourage you to read the Wikipedia too, because it just distills all these different articles I wound up using. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daniel Lambert was an Englishman. He was the heaviest uh, person in recorded history at this time in the 1800s, um, early, early 1800s. He weighed more than 700 pounds. Yeah, I believe he died in 1809, it said. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, it seems like the first person we can find on record who solely made a living at a certain point by displaying himself. Now, okay, um, l- let me ask you something real quick, because I don't think, I think we discussed it in... Uh... For weight, displaying himself for his weight. Yeah. Um, what was the episode? Episode 41. Is that when we did the uh, King Henry? That is right, yeah. Um, yeah. He, we were talking about how he got really huge, but he was nowhere near this size, right? He was you know, nowhere near 700 pounds, and also... The, the thing that struck me about Daniel Lambert is that he was noted for being a very athletic and active person. That was interesting to me reading the article. They talk about how he was actually very strong and used to like carry people. I was like, man, that's pretty insane. Yeah, uh, he punched out a bear. <laughs> like, that's just a thing that like everybody in town knew. Like, yeah, that one time Daniel got mad at a bear for crossing his path <laughs> and he punched that shit out. He got mad at a bear. The fuck you think you're doing walking on my street? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, it'd probably be like a Guy Ritchie accent, so it'd probably mm-hmm. be more like, what the fuck you think you're doing? Yeah. Eh. Uh, it's just this this strange weight loss. People are now speculating at this point. Just be- Nowadays, it's I don't want to say it's easy to become 700 pounds, but it kind of is. It's, I would say it's definitely more easy than yeah. it was back then, because unless you were incredibly wealthy in the 17 and 1800s, you weren't mm-hmm. eating that much. Yeah, people are are now speculating that he had some sort of issue, maybe with his thyroid or or some kind of genetic disease. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, he was, you know, this kind of started when he was a young man. Uh, yeah, when he was like twenty four, he started really gaining. By twenty, sorry, by twenty three, he was four hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, he, you know, and despite this, he was like, oh shit, I got to do something about this. <laughs> he, he would exercise. He would, you know, again. So strong, they were saying he could just carry 500 pounds around. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and again, backhanded a bear. Uh, (laughs) Go walk for seven miles and 700 pounds. I feel like backhand the bear is a good euphemism now. It's going to be our like weird hipster band. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We got got to use backhand the bear in something. (laughs) And uh, growing up, uh, he inherited his his father's job as as a jail keeper. Um, I don't know if it threw you off initially to see that they used to spell jail G A O L. Going to be completely honest, uh, since I'm dyslexic, I didn't even notice it. Yeah, and I'm I was sitting here like gaul. <laughs> gaul. <laughs> English is a terrible language. <laughs> um, and uh, at a certain point, uh, I think the jail eventually closed down. He was noted for being like a very chill, kind guy to prisoners. Yeah, uh, which is good because it seems like he could have punched a hole through their heads. Right, right. Um, and uh, you know when the jail closed down, he, he became unemployed. Uh, it was incredibly expensive just to clothe himself. Um, he had a small pension, so eventually it was just like, 
are I'm going to rent an apartment in London and people are just going to be able to pay a few shillings and come in and look at me and talk to me. Yeah. Um, he became like kind of a sensation. It sounds like from a lot of this, especially with the article, they talk about how like people really enjoy because he was so like, um, genuine and 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 jolly that people really enjoyed just his yeah. presence it wasn't like oh god look at that in the corner it was like oh hey daniel <laughs> yeah. and he was like a, a really intelligent conversationalist and people yeah. would just like come back just to talk to him <laughs> <laughs> and uh it, it was incredibly financially successful he eventually you know uh moved back home he was independently wealthy now just from sitting in an apartment and talking to people and letting them come in um there's a great uh, little story, though, of um, when he lost his temper uh, from the article I wanted to read. <clears throat> ah, shoot, what, it's not this one. It's, it's, oh, it's you had about, another it's article? About his, no, no, it's from this article. It's about his clothes. Oh, a person asking oh. him in a very rude yes. way about the cost of his coats. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel returned him no answer. The man repeated the question with the observation that he had a right to demand any information having contributed to his shilling, which would help to pay for Mr. Lambert's coat as well as the rest. Sir, enjoined Lambert, if I knew what part of my next coat your shilling would pay for, I can assure you I would cut out the piece. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, roasted. Yeah. Pretty witty guy. Uh, but, you know, despite the fact that he was displaying himself, uh, wound up being... Uh, fairly shy, as I can imagine would happen when you're mm-hmm. a big dude and people are gawking at you. Another story. Um, a gentleman traveling through Leicester conceives a strong desire to see this extraordinary phenomenon, but being at a loss for a pretext to introduce himself, he first took care to inquire what were Daniel's particular propensities. Mm-hmm. Uh, being informed that he was a great cocker, <laughs> <laughs> handler of, of, and breeder of chickens, uh, the traveler thought himself sure of success. He accordingly went to his house, knocked at the door, and inquired for Mr. Lambert. Yeah. The servant answered that he was at home, but he never saw strangers. I let him know that I called about some cocks. <laughs> I'll get through this. Wink, <laughs> wink. Lambert, who chanced to me in a situation to overhear what passed, immediately rejoined, Tell the gentleman that I am a shy cock. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he uh, he passed away young. I imagine that it, in some way relating to this condition that uh, made his weight go up. Uh, he did seem to be in good health until the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, he was uh, thirty nine when he died. Yep, and he's a local hero in uh, in Leicester, England. Yeah, and, and they have the uh, it's, it's cool that they have his. Uh... The, an image of his tombstone and stuff, and they talk about how, uh, where is it? Um, uh, da, 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 his spe- his specially made casket was six feet four inches long and four feet four inches wide. It included wheels to help it roll down a slope into the grave. They had to do it in a slope. It couldn't even be just a straight down drop, like like regular graves are. Oh, poor guy. It's insane. But again, it's interesting because he was so physically active you know you hear about people of this size now and you have those reality tv shows where it's just you know they they don't really do much they sit in their bed and eat chicken and stuff like that or like my mind immediately goes to what's eating gilbert grape with the mom you know yes um things like that where like they needed you know a true story where they needed like a uh what a bulldozer or something to get her out of the house or something like that yeah uh the the lack of dignity for it it's just it's it's terribly sad it's it's really um, and that's something that, you know, 
we uh while while reading this article i wanted to make sure that we spoiler alert my my pitch really has nothing to do with this i took a a proponent of what his story was about and turned it into something completely different me too um, okay good but uh that's that's something i wanted to make sure we weren't doing you know like there's you know rob and i are not here to body shame anybody we're not here to you know discuss the scientific or medical aspects of obesity or anything like that nope we we, we chose an article that rob found interesting and we're gonna make a movie about it um, nope. uh, this is not a pt barnum podcast <laughs> exactly exactly um none of us are huge Jackman. um <laughs> so uh without <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> without fair idea hamburger um rob what do you got never attempt french again hamburger <laughs> steve martin can do it so can i he's earned okay we're moving on. <laughs> um so my movie pitch uh is called candlewick um it's directed by spike jones it's a sequel to john wick sure Sorry, the Spiderwick Chronicles. <laughs> the Alan Wick. Um, uh, my director is Spike Jones, and I have a small cast of uh, Stephen Fry, Hugh Ooh. Laurie, and Brendan Gleeson. Ooh, Fry and Laurie back together, huh? Yes, because they have not uh, regularly performed comedy together since the, 80s. the 90s. 90s, yeah. yeah uh, they did like a one-off 10 years ago, but they used to be an incredible comedy team. Uh, with their own show, a bit of Fry and Laurie, and then uh, Jeeves and Wooster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed them as pairings. So I'm like, yeah, I'll jam you two into a movie. <laughs> um, so minus is, um, I went kind of for an absurdist uh, or surrealist type of movie. Okay. Um, uh, I kind of jumped off of both Daniel's weight being a factor and the fact that he was a, uh, a jailer. Um Honestly, if, if I'm going to compare what my ideas were to things that exist, it would be Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead and Brazil Ooh. in those levels of absurdity. Nice pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically about these two prisoners, Fry and Laurie, uh, who are passing the time. They appear to be the only people in this prison, the only prisoners. When here. does this take place? Um, in the period, probably, you know, okay. 1800s, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they're just kind of passing time in this waiting for Gatto-esque fashion, just talking and playing games or whatever. Uh, they are prevented from leaving this prison solely by the fact that Brendan Gleeson in a tremendous, uh, suit sits in front of the door. Um, it, in true absurdist nature, that should not be the impediment that it is, but they mm-hmm. just cannot actually leave this place. Um, yeah, so I wanted to do that sort of Samuel Beckett style, nice, uh, absurdist comedy about these two guys and just passing the time. And then I want people to be like, well, why aren't they leaving? And, yeah, <laughs> they, they can't. <laughs> and it's not just because Brandon Gleason sits in front of the door. Speaking of, uh, of Beckett and stuff like that and, and Godot, uh, I've, I've had the idea recently to do some, maybe like a sketch or like a short film called waiting for Gal Gadot. Um, oh my god it's just two dudes you and me at like a red carpet event just waiting to see her <laughs> we just, just gotta rewrite just tweak the play and yeah. do the whole play yeah <laughs> have one moment where you have uh what's it pozzo is that his name yeah 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 the, uh, have the the, and uh and what's his face with the huge monologue uh lucky 
lucky yeah i got to see that in college uh when it was um unfortunately meg luckily she lucked out and got to see it with patrick stewart and ian mckellen i got to see it with uh bill Irwin and nathan lane and uh john goodman as pozzo oh man that's fantastic I, i might be burned to the stake for this but i'd actually rather see it with bill Irwin. he so yeah i mean he was absolutely fantastic and and of course i'm sure stewart and mckellen killed it but Bill Irwin is just one of those like performers where everyone knows him. He, they know him from something, but they don't know him. And then you see him on stage and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, what is this? I mean, this is a man who did a clown act on Broadway. Yeah. For like Imagine. 25 years. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, once, once again, just explain to me how the, what, what's the absurdist tag for your film? They're, they're in prison and they're just, it's just them talking and waiting out their sentence. Yeah. in as much as they don't, you know, know how long they're supposed to be there for. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I like it. And your, uh, your director was Spike Jones, right? Yep. What's the last movie he actually did? Was it her? Um, that's the last one of his that I've seen. Cause he's, do- um, he does a lot of obviously music videos and documentary and things like that. Ooh. Yeah. 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 But I think uh, her was his last like full on film. He's also in Wolf of Wall Street. He's funny. He's yeah, really he funny when he's used in moderation, like in a small bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He hasn't directed a, a movie since her in 2013. Wow. Yeah, it's been almost a decade. He's going to be in Jackass forever. That's cool. He is. Yeah, he's kind of part of that crew. Is he? Was he originally? Yeah. Wait, really? Oh, I yeah. had no. I had no idea. He's been a writer and producer on Jackass since the beginning. I, I did not know that. That's insane. He's 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 shown up in a couple of sketches. Him and Johnny have always been the ones that put on the old man suits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he would put on like an old lady suit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't know that. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I think they watch. just met through the music video scene, probably <laughs> TV type stuff. I was I was never like Jackass was huge when we were growing up. I was never a huge Jackass fan because I was just like I don't like seeing people torture other people, but. Then I watched horror movies like Saw, so maybe yeah. I'm just... <laughs> well, Jackass is more self-torture. <laughs> That's true. But then they go after, like, you know, it was always Bam's parents and stuff like that. And, uh, what, what was his name? Wee Man? Wee Man. Wee Man. He passed, right? No. No? I thought he passed. Okay. Um, I know they did some stuff with Vern Troyer, too, I think, didn't they? I don't recall off the top of my head, but I, I I, the only one I remember from the Jackass crew who's dead is Ryan Dunn. Oh, yeah. And I know, as far as I'm aware, I think Bam's not in a great place right now. He's in rehab again. Yeah, they um, fired him from the movie. Who would have thought that Steve-O would be the one to truly like clean himself up and turn around his act, you know? Right, yeah. It's crazy, but good for <laughs> him. There's a whole good podcast about it. Just like yeah, yeah, I've watched a lot of it on YouTube and stuff. He does some really good stuff. He did one with uh, Frankie Muniz recently. That was great because every that whole story that went around, we're going off on a tangent, but whatever, it's our podcast. Um that's a whole story where it was like for everyone was like Frankie Muniz is slowly brain is deteriorating. He's going to be dead soon. And all yeah, of it was just utter doesn't bullshit. Remember Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, all of it was bullshit. And Frankie Muniz was like, yeah, I don't remember a lot of Malcolm in the middle. We shot the show for like nine years when I was a kid. I don't really remember everyday moments from like, you know, monotony of life. Like, <laughs> and he's like, I've had some concussions, but I don't have like severe brain loss. He's like, he literally said, he's like, if you go online and Google my name right now, it'll say like, is he dying? And I'm fine. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. He's got his money. He's thriving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and he's a dad now and he's all good i love that's so weird to think about yeah it is crazy it is crazy um so yeah that's that's the general outline of of the absurd mistake i i wanted to do um clearly the only elements from the life of daniel lambert that i kept are a very large man and jail so yeah wait i'm sorry yeah who was the large man in your pitch brendan gleason brendan gleason and he's a guard Mm -hmm. because okay cool yep basically a call out directly to him nice i like it um so that's uh that's the bones of mine i figured i would leave it that way just because well it's an absurdist uh movie and we could mount it in a black box theater if we wanted to <laughs> this is pretty bare bones um it's but basically on the just end, dogville so indeed what do you got <laughs> so my movie is vastly different from yours i i kind of did a horror movie and it could be a horror comedy i didn't i didn't place it uh on purpose just because i was like well we can we can toy around with this and see where it goes um the only premise i took from the story was the idea that he makes money off of what people gawk at him for and he's deciding you know i'm gonna make if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make some money off of it um i was originally gonna try to intend to do something around like obesity and stuff but i was like i don't want to go that route i don't want to put someone in a fat suit i don't want to take someone you know large who's you know you you got things like gold gold member where you got mike myers in the fat suit or you got uh uh central intelligence with the rock and the cg fat suit and like stuff like that truly and, the stuff of nightmares yeah and i was like i don't i don't need any of that so i just took the idea of making money off of something so basically my film can take place whenever originally i had it set in the 1800s england doesn't have to be um but my idea is about uh, an old man who lives in this small like cottage uh, in a small town, maybe outside of England, maybe outside of Boston, wherever, it doesn't matter. Um, and he's a loner and he's cranky. And the the local kids always try to like kind of like pick on him and, you know, throw things onto his lawn and stuff like that. You know, very similar to like Monster House, um, where it's just like get off my lawn, that type of thing. However, he decides after a while to finally mess uh, to mess back <clears throat> with the kids by setting up his place as sort of a haunted house um and the premise here was that he was going to invent (coughs) excuse me he was going to invent the first haunted house basically i'm kind of rewriting history um the idea is that uh, at at first it's very basic it's very childish it's like oh god you know spaghetti in the bowl stuff like that but uh after a while he starts getting much more intricate much more engineering in tune with his like traps and pranks and things like that um and it sort of becomes this horror film where we have these kids that go in and like, you know, run around the house because he's making money off of the haunted idea. And then the kind of climax, the kind of turning point was supposed to be one of the kids accidentally dies in like one of the traps or pranks or something like that. And then the whole town is rioting and it's basically turns into kind of like a Frankenstein's monster aspect where you're not sure if you should be rooting for him because a child did die in his house for something he did but he was being basically tortured by like the neighborhood kids for you know however many decades um so my idea was basically just that like once the 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 turning point is a kid dies and it's kind of like the town riots against him and i didn't purposely didn't write off the ending because again like you said that's what we're here for um my director of choice was danny boyle so if we did go sort of comedy i don't know if i would go with him or not yeah, um, you can do funny. Yeah, but my cast, uh, my cast, the the older gentleman is going to be played by Jeremy Irons. Um, and then I have a cast of three kids. 
Uh, the first one being Noah Jupe, who's the young boy from A uh, Quiet Place. Um, the other two, I have Ella J. Basco, who was uh, recently in Birds of Prey as the young, uh, oh shoot, what's her name? Cassandra Kane. She's Cassandra Kane in Birds of Prey. Right, 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 right. Um, and then I also had Julia Butters, who's the young girl who blew me away in her one scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood next to Leo. When they're sitting waiting for the scene. Yeah, the they have that conversation. The Western show. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So those are my three kids. You know I don't... who she's basically supposed to be playing in that movie, right? Who? Jodie Foster. Oh, really? That makes sense. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. She looks like her too. Mm. <clears throat> looks like a very young Jodie Foster. Yeah, she's she's the youngest of my three. She's twelve right now. Right. Uh, Ella's fifteen, and I think Noah Jupe might be sixteen or seventeen. Let me see real quick. He is 16. So they're all around the same age. What's the reason they're bothering this man? Basically, it's just the neighborhood kids like, oh, it's the old man who's always cranky yelling, get off my lawn. So they're just going to torture him. You know, it's just kind of like the the suburban neighborhood style. So the dentist that menaced this guy so much, he turns his house into... A haunted house. A trap. Yeah. Yep. He decides to turn his house. I was like, all right, if these kids are going to mess with me, I'm going to mess back. It'll be fun. But then he starts getting much more intricate with his designs and it ends up being like very scary. And he starts getting like publicity because of it. Like people are coming around from like all neighboring towns to see his house and like stuff like that. Um, but then there's the accident where someone dies and uh, then suddenly everyone's riding and wants his head on a pike. Um but that's basically my film. the The title I came up with was just the house, the house at Crenshaw Place, um, which is just the. I felt like that was a good British street name. So that, that that feels like the name of like one of the plays within a play that goes wrong. Company would do. <laughs> yes, the murder at Havisham Manor. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. The Moors. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's my premise. It's I. Don't know if I like it better as a straight up horror, if I like it better as a horror comedy. I think this premise could also work in the absurdist as well, actually. I think we can kitbash these pretty easily. Um, uh, fuck them kids. Uh... <laughs> By the way, I felt really gross when I was looking up like, oh, let me look up some child actors and stuff. And one of the first titles that popped up was just like the best young actors under 18. And I was like, I don't really want to click on that. <laughs> like in, in terms of acting quality? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was no. an article I didn't click on. <laughs> Welcome to the internet. Uh, Seriously. Around. Um, was I just, now I've lost my train of thought completely. Um, um, talking about uh, mashing it up with the you said fuck these yes, kids yes uh, <laughs> Christ I had an idea and it was going to be good and now it's gone no um, so I kind of I kind of like this central premise of the I don't know I have to refer to him the Daniel Lambert character that you've got here okay um, I think we can expand on that a little bit more I think if I was going to merge these I would pitch something where your Jeremy Irons guy um, is uh, an, an older guy, uh, kind of reclusive, uh-huh. that either these kids or these two, like highwaymen, if it's Fry and Laurie, mm. are bothering a lot. It turns out that he was a longtime uh, jailer uh, before he retired and moved to this town just to live peacefully. Okay. And to either take revenge on these kids or on these two, 
Um, he does put them into a prison of his own making uh, with these different rooms that they wind up moving through uh, trying to escape. So we I like them. I like that a lot if we use Fry and Lori because it's it sort of becomes Saw, but if we make it an absurdist film, then... Yeah, like it, there's this idea that they, like there's different rooms that they're moving through and they're completing like, I don't know, he's probably trying to teach them a lesson in that Saw type way, but less right. violently. But uh, they're, they're just like waiting in every room and just bullshitting with each other because like, you know, it's pretty hastily done. So it takes a while <laughs> for things to kind of ramp up and they're just like chilling with each other before they have to do this like teamwork exercise right 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 i like it um i but we would have to figure out why fry and Lori would be messing with him maybe there's an underlying backstory there or maybe it's and there's you know bothering him at the pub and just yeah like, you know they're very boisterous and he's very quiet and then they decide to rob him and he doesn't really have anything so they give him more shit maybe they print maybe they kind of like force the persona of the you know the old the old cranky guy in town no one talks to onto him and he's yep, not really rumors. that at all and they just keep like they kind of force themselves into making that persona real so they're constantly trying to push him to the edge and he's just and everyone in town is just like what what are you guys doing like he's he i don't know why you keep saying he's evil and he's old. just quiet he's just, he's just a dude that likes solitude like comes in for a pint every once in a while the house is not well maintained <laughs> but like you know not, honestly neither is yours <laughs> Backhand the bear, baby. Backhand the bear. <laughs> um, we could call the movie that. <laughs> because it's literally like them trying to do that, and then he fights back. Yeah, don't poke the bear. <laughs> don't poke the bear, but we should call it Backhand the Bear. This <laughs> That's a reference to nothing. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it's our film. <laughs> so we turn it into something in the film. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he was a champion wrestler in his youth as well. Yeah, and he was called the Bear. <laughs> and he, he wrestled a circus bear. <laughs> he wrestled a circus bear. It's exactly what we're looking for. Um, I think that so I would say we do go with Spike Jones. Okay, um, he'd probably be the best bet for directing something like this. Uh, what else? What else? Um. So we have, let's say it takes place in England, maybe like the 70s or something, not the 1800s. Mm -hmm. um, what else? What else? What do you got? Uh, <laughs> um, maybe I'm trying to think, maybe, how, how could we bring in the kids? Would we? Can we? Things like that, you know? Mm. Uh, I don't have any ideas on that front. Hmm. Um. Okay, so maybe we do just make it the the three of them. I I love Brendan Gleeson, so I'd like to find a way to bring him in if at possible. For for what we're doing, that character should probably be Jeremy Irons. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so we have these two gentlemen. What what do you think they are? Are they kind of like the what would you call them? Kind of like the the street rats of the town, like no one really pays much attention to them. Yes, out of work actors. Out of work actors in the nineteen seventies. What was the movie we pitched where it was a uh, 
Oh, shoot. It was uh, the big cul-de-sac where they're filming a movie in like the 50s or something. Oh, yeah. This the serial killer movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had uh, John Carroll Lynch and stuff like that. That was a good one. The, the, the two serial killers retired. <laughs> one last um, score. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have, I think, yeah, maybe we do just keep it to the three of them. So we'll use uh, Jeremy Irons and we'll use Stephen Fry. A bit and, of Fry and Laurie. And uh, Hugh Laurie. I almost forgot his first name for a second. I was like, Paul? Is it Paul? Paul Laurie. Yeah. Paul Laurie. Um, so after we start with them kind of bombarding him with things, I think there should be like a uh, a barkeep right at the. Uh... Well, there's Brendan. Yep. Yeah, yeah. OK, that's a good point. Yeah. So we use <laughs> Brendan as like the barkeep who's just kind of the whole time is kind of like, just get, leave him alone. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Like and they probably find out he he used to work at this infamous prison. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's like the last holdover from these days of like small jails that like one guy in the town would run. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he's um, he so is he also a uh, what do you call it a uh, prison guard still or? No, 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 no. This is all, he's, he's long retired. Long retired. Prisons have, you know, changed into the, you know, what they are today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, he's retired. He now runs the, maybe he owns a pub. And uh, he's kind of just like, kind of keeping an eye on them. Maybe he kind of comes to the rescue in the end. Uh, oh, the barkeep? Yeah. Maybe like in the end, he kind of finds his way into the house where Jeremy Irons is basically keeping Fry and Lori trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to, there's got to be like a theme for the rooms and stuff that they go through in the house, you know, mm-hmm. like each room has to get progressively. I, 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 I hearken it back to like Sydney Lumiere when, uh, uh, filming, um, 12 angry men. Sorry. I'm losing my, my train of thought a lot right now. Um, filming 12 angry men, how he actually changed the aperture of the camera lens as the film got further in so it felt like the room was smaller and smaller (laughs) with like each take um so i'm thinking i'm thinking something along those lines like maybe not camera lenses but something along the lines of like the rooms maybe get a little bit more uh what's the word i'm like uncomfortable you know like like a, a little bit more each room is just a little bit out of place the floor is off a little bit the furniture seems a little bit weird and like maybe there's less light pouring in and the colors are kind of like really yes yeah, like, just this impossible feeling yeah and it's like and the house isn't this big no yeah 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 but each room they kind of find themselves and just gets progressively worse and just makes them a little bit more intimidated or uncomfortable or something like that and from the so is the whole time is he kind of like watching from the uh from like somewhere in the house or something uh, yeah, I think he's definitely observing what's happening. I'm beginning to question whether or not it, what they are experiencing is actually happening. Oh, okay. Okay, so you think like maybe it's kind of in their mind, but like the audience isn't in on it. They think it also is really happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that because then you kind of that, have... That's what Jeremy Irons has learned from his time being a, being a jailer. It doesn't... It's, it's best to do it with the mind. Yeah, it's also kind of like an analogy for like, just because you say something's true doesn't mean it is. Yep. 
which is exactly what the two of them were trying to do to him. Yep. I'm trying He's to think essentially if cast sh- them in this role. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there should be some type of reveal um, about like why they're doing this to him or since it is going to be sort of absurdist, is it just because, you know, I think it's just because, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just eh, we're bored. He's there. Let's fuck with this guy. <laughs> it's easy to start rumors about old prison man. Yeah. Yeah. Around town at the pub just saying all these things he's in the corner he's in the back corner just drinking his pint and they're talking Losing i was like yes. his religion yeah <laughs> you see old man wilson over there yeah he used to work at the prison they fired him for eating inmates <laughs> i don't think that's accurate <laughs> you shut up you weren't there <laughs> are you? <laughs> it's just the that's spike jones that's spike jones's character he's the one guy played hamlet i think you're lying <laughs> i don't think you played hamlet i don't you remember left seeing... this town. <laughs> and we don't have a community theater <laughs> why do you tell women you're actors why do i come here all the time <laughs> <laughs> brendan gleason has to cut them off after a couple pints <laughs> stop bothering the out-of-place american <laughs> he is american he's a tourist he's been coming for a week every night because they tell good stories it's the uh twilight zone episode um basically what is it the, the boy who cried wolf i forget what the episode's called but it's about the uh, uh, the older gentleman who runs the general shop who just lies about everything that's ever happened to him and then like aliens come and they like bring him onto their ship and then he tells everybody and they're like no it didn't happen you're just a liar <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot what episode was that um yeah but i like the idea that we're using these people's imaginations against them (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. they're bored so they start all this stuff and then and this guy's just like all right you know what if you want to do this we're gonna friggin' do this (laughs) turns out they've just been locked in his basement this whole time and it's just like just they, they've made they've they've done a Brecht play. It's become black box theater. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, poor <laughs> us. He's putting us through all these tortures. <laughs> oh God, my God, what can we do about any of it? Hocus <laughs> Pocus and Frisbee. That was the name of the episode. Rural gas station attendant giving uh, a rural gas station attendant uh, giving to tall telling tall tales about himself as kidnapped by aliens who believe him to be one of earth's leading intellects because of all the stories he tells. <laughs> God, that was a good show. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Such a good episode too. Um, so we have them basically just in the basement this whole time. And they're coming up with these rooms themselves because it's kind of showing how your imagination can get the best of you. Um, what was your film title again? Uh, Candlewick. Let's let's use it because we can do something with a candle in the basement. Mm-hmm. It's the only source of light. Shadow yeah. play. Yep, exactly. And that's what gets them more and more uncomfortable. As the candle begins to burn down and get smaller and smaller, that's basically just an hourglass for their, for their psychological health. Yep, I like it. The question is, how do we end it? Hmm. Everybody dies in a nuclear attack. <laughs> no, the beginnings no, of the cold. Already done it. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think he lets them out. Yep. Or you know what? What if it's something even simpler? What if it's they were never actually locked in there? Mm-hmm. They just open. What are those? Is there a name for him? 
uh, the kind of like see them in movies and TV a lot. The the basement doors that like you see them in New York City on the sidewalks. You know, you open up from the ground and they the stairs downward. Is there a name for those? You know, we always just called it the basement door at my house. Uh, okay. Because hmm. yeah, you have like it's like a cellar door, right? Like yeah, you just cellar door sounds correct. I don't. I think that's basically what it is. They kind of maybe when they first try to open it, it's stuck, but it's not stuck for any reason other than it's an old door. So they don't try again. And then in the end, they're like, let's just try it one more time. And it's fine because they wiggled it. Google just says cellar doors. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I thought there was like a name for them. Like, you know, like I mean, I'm looking at like, you know, where you can buy them. (laughs) Let's buy some cellar doors. Yeah. Let's buy some and then just put them in the ground. Don't have it lead anywhere, but lock it securely. So that people just come up to it and they're just like, I want to know what's down there. It's in the oh, middle of do. a field. <laughs> they do have any. They're called bulkhead doors. Bulkhead doors. Okay. Isn't that what they do for like ships and stuff too? Yes. I guess that's like the idea uh, of what they're based on. Interesting. Um, We're painting a picture. <laughs> awesome though i actually really like that they kind of just get up on their own and leave and that's sort of another analogy of like just taking things into your like into your own hands like fixing your own problems they made this problem for themselves he didn't really do anything yep you know and then finally they decide like oh let's just you know take this into our own hands and fix it and nothing needed fixing they kind of brought themselves into this because they were bored yep and it's super absurdist for that reason alone Mm-hmm. maybe he was keep chattering at each other all the way back into town yeah maybe he wasn't even at the house the entire time maybe he oh, was yeah. like he was like in town or something like that yeah and like as, they're, they're... as they go out through that door he comes back in through the front door from the pub yeah yeah <laughs> and he's like what were you doing in my house <laughs> and they're all like you locked us in there and he's like huh <laughs> It's drafty. I think the door just closed behind you. <laughs> I don't know why you're in my basement anyway. <laughs> they, start, they just completely believe their own bullshit about this weird old jailer. <laughs> he, he shows them the door again. It's like, it doesn't even have a bolt on it. <laughs> there were all these things we had to do down in the basement. What, what did you okay. do to my basement? He walks into the basement. It's destroyed. <laughs> this is like a lot of stuff that plausibly is just like, they think they have to do yeah. something out of the basement that's just like he literally oh, just goes he literally just goes why won't you leave me alone <laughs> why won't you just let me be we end with them you know locked up for home invasion yeah yeah then they get to go to the jail and maybe he comes to visit some of his old like prison buddies like his uh, prison guard buddies mm-hmm. and sees them there and they're putting on a play <laughs> They're putting on the house at Crenshaw Place. About <laughs> a devious mastermind <laughs> who entraps they two actors it. who only yes. wanted a crust of bread. <laughs> Just a loaf of bread for my poor sister. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now that's absurdist. Got absurdist? It's a new got milk ad. We didn't we didn't get into full, you know, waiting for Gatto, but it's fine. <laughs> no, but that's what waiting for Gal Gatto is uh is about. We're gonna get. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there because that will be our first so, short film. So somebody has to have come up with that before us. <laughs> Let's. You know what? Let's find out. Let's Google it. Waiting for Gal Godot or Godot Godot. It's Godot. 
I see a fake, terribly uh, photoshopped movie poster. Um, well, someone someone wrote a scene oh, waiting for Gal Gal Gadot by T.M. Larson. Damn it! Damn it! They did get to it before us. <laughs> oh well, we can still write a short film. Um, I think that's a good movie. I think we have something really weird and wacky, and uh, it's Candlewick Chronicles for John Wick Returns. I do feel like we've written something for like 90s HBO. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels <laughs> like I'm seeing the old HBO logo, like the old uh, intro, you know? We're shooting it in four by three. <laughs> four by three, and it's going to be shot on film. We're not, we're not doing this digital. Come on. One of the things I still I, I want to see to fruition is I want to see the Lumiere brothers. Lumiere brothers. I want to see the Collier brothers. The Lumiere oh, brothers yeah. made films. But God, I love <laughs> that story. That that was such a good pitch. It's one of my favorites, I think. Um, I would love to see that. Just like, I still see it so vividly. The film itself, you know. Oh yeah, we were we were going hard on the the internal imagery in that one. Oh yeah, big time. Which similarly we did in this one. Um, but yeah, I think that's a movie. I think we've got one. And uh, other than that, folks, we'll be back with one. Uh, this episode will be launching Saturday, the fifteenth. Um which means our next episode after that we'll be recording for the 29th of January. Um, that will be my pitch. I have a couple ones on the back burner I'm interested in looking at. I might want to do something a little bit different. I might want to look for something a little bit more recent, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I think the most... What's the most recent ones we've done? The third episode was Blair... What's his name? Blair Adams? Blair... The guy who uh, oh, oh, the the guy who went missing. Um, yeah, because that was the nineties, and I guess I guess nuked also was sort of that was a relevant current event story. So yeah, that's just me having a very public panic attack about how <laughs> like poorly secure our nuclear arms, <laughs> <laughs> which we still need. Like nuked is the one we have to write, but we also have to write the one we've been talking about for nearly a decade now. And I came up with a sequel, which you liked. <laughs> Blair Adams. Blair Adams. Blair Adams. Yeah, I thought I was yeah. right. Mm -mm. Um, but yeah, I, I want to try to look for something a little bit more recent for a pitch. I think something that could be today, modern times. Hmm. Um, I've got nothing else. Do you have anything? Uh, not a single thing ever. He never does. Um, <laughs> uh, for any of my horror fans out there, I hope you guys enjoy scream. I'm going to see it tonight. Um, I've heard very good. Ken, things. Yeah. Ken said he really, really loved it. Yeah, yeah. Danielle and Jeremy, I think, said they also uh, very much enjoyed it. I'm very excited. I'm going to... I have a feeling that the killer might be a legacy character. It might be Dewey Gaylor or uh, Sydney. Mm. Um, I, 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 I would place my money on the other end. I, I don't think they'll do it because I think a lot of fans would be really pissed about it. But they released the final trailer last night and they said something and Dewey in the film says something along the lines of like, it's always someone from the past who has something to prove or something like that. And I was like, hmm. Um, I think I'm, it's going to be. If I had to put money on it, if we're doing like a semi reboot ish, like calling it Scream, I don't yeah. want to say reboot. That's not the right word. But like if we're doing like it's clearly a, a, a new, new cast of young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Jack Quaid. I think they're gonna riff on Stu and Billy. I think so too. I think that's gonna be the best way to kind of like you said, reboot 
the series because i yeah. think that is what they're trying to do that's why it's not called scream five like they're trying to get yeah. started we're not going to see gail sydney and, and dewey after this i don't think yeah i, th- I think it's either going to be like big fans of of billy loomis and Stu mocker yeah or like two two people just just doing ghost face because that's what the town is known. They're just murderers. Yeah, it's Woodsboro. That's all they're known for. And it's for. just like that. They're just supposed to be Ghostface. They don't even really <laughs> like it. They're just we, doing it just because. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I'll, I'll see tonight. Um, and then uh, you'll have to tell me what you think when you see it. I will. <laughs> uh, other than that, ladies and gents and anyone in between, thank you for listening. Uh, episode 43. Um, hope you have a great weekend. Um, stay safe as always. Omicron is starting to kick butts and it's not going great. So we hope you guys are safe, vaccinated and healthy. Um, you know where to find us, you know where to reach us, socials, emails, socials. What do you got? WDYG podcast, all the places, Twitter, wherever we will Share. get that Instagram. <laughs> Hopefully Share likes the, the Instagram, both Instagrams are taken. What do you got? And WDYG podcast. And none of the, both of them have no posts. It's really annoying. Um, uh, we hope you guys send us some articles and stuff. We love doing listener things. I would love to do a listener episode soon. I don't, we only have like a couple. I would like to get at least like, I don't know, eight or 10 where we can do really quick pitches from people. Yeah, we definitely need more. Um, but other than that, thank you guys for listening and, um, anything on your end, Rob? Well, I guess only that I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. Ba doo ba doo ba doo ba doo doo. What do you got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Vice. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Vice. 